here on the radio, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Let's see. I believe the Penguin is on his way in with me, Ian. We also have online. Nobody. Nobody. How you doing, dude? Nobody could be better. Uh, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> Penguin is uh, is walking in as we speak, as we uh, roll into the final weekend of 2022. And we will be here, by the way, throughout the weekend on uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So uh, we're going to be bringing you live content uh, throughout. In fact, I believe nobody, you guys, are going to be doing uh new year's eve you're gonna be ringing in the new year with beard talk live tomorrow night right it's true that'll be fun you guys have been having a good time with that show and uh what are you up to close to 20 episodes now i think at this point getting there i think so maybe 19 or somewhere somewhere in that range good evening penguin hey uh and of course we got some big big changes coming to free talk live this weekend uh starting on sunday we're going to be getting rid of two entire commercial breaks per hour so that's going to be a big change uh one that's a little bit overdue but better late than never i feel like we should have done it 10 years ago but you know (laughs) the radio business doesn't move fast and uh so yeah so i'm looking forward to that it's going to be it's gonna be an interesting weekend we'll see how that all shakes out uh, but, of course, the phones are always open. They're going to continue to be open throughout the weekend. If you want to join us here for New Year's and uh, New Year's Day, we'd love to have you. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Now, nobody, last night at the end of the show, uh, we found out or we were talking about the news out of Colorado that apparently they have uh, completely legalized possession of personal amounts of certain psychedelic sort of natural drugs. Had you heard about that? Um, I've seen a little bit on the net, but very little really. Yeah, I was, it caught me by surprise. Like I thought that, I mean, I'd, I'd seen some stories about like Oregon, which of course did, uh, decriminalization of personal amounts of all drugs in 2020. And that was a big deal. Uh, but Mm -hmm. this is specifically like the stuff that kind of grows naturally. So the fungi and the plant based things. So DMT, psilocybin, um, certain forms of mescaline, apparently, as well, are all now legal to grow and to possess in personal amounts in Colorado. So I just thought you might. I thought Gotta you like would, that. Yeah, I thought you would appreciate that. It was a ballot initiative, and over I think fifty three percent of people voted for it. It's, it's always amazing. I they, love fun Gus. It's always He's amazing. A fun guy. <laughs> it's always amazing how they try to like criminalize breathing right like or or like that's the idea right you criminalize a plant it's like how are you actually well, yeah, criminalizing nature that? They're, well they've been enforcing it by throwing people in prison cells for decades it doesn't stop the plants from growing no they're natural right uh so in related news there's uh, a doctor who's making headlines for prescribing ketamine to thousands of people online and it's completely legal and I want to talk about that coming up here in moments. But first, we go to Alu on the line here in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Alu. Hey, how's it going? I got a bit of downtime at work in a busy day. I wanted to respond to a caller, I think, last night. I believe his name was David. He asked why we think that the D.C. Empire, federal government in D.C., would not send in the troops and kill us all if we declare independence. It, yeah. it, I mean, you answered it pretty well, but this is a question that I've addressed 
a lot in, in at least one of my books. In the Blueprint for Liberty, my first book, and it's, it's on Amazon and everything, and I always have copies on me. Towards the end of the book, it's about independence, and I explain why it's totally a non-issue. I am not at all afraid that the federal government would use military force to attack a state that secedes. But guess what? If they attack us and it's an actual military battle, if you go through the, the military games exercise, because um, I kind of did, did the war games of it, and I think hmm. we'd actually win that war. So the federal government could not actually defeat even New Hampshire, a small state, in a war, and I explain why in the book. I mean, even even if even if the United States sent in the military, there's nothing that says we have to fight back, right? Like it's it's like this is one of these things that it, it's an assumption that somebody will fight back. Well, and I think people, people would fight back. It's I mean, possible. I it's guaranteed. I'm, I'm not saying they won't. I'm, I'm just saying that there's there's an assumption that it would just because you've declared independence that you would fight a war in defense, right? But that's not necessarily the case. Well, I mean, I think most people would because at that point they are ready for independence, and then you have the tyranny coming in with, with crushing violence. That might be, and New Hampshire is well armed. I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems like a poor, it's a poor argument not to declare independence because it, nothing, you know, if 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 the if the concern is oh they're going to come and kill us, well, that's assuming that we fight back, right? So or somebody fights back, well, they may kill you anyway. Well, right, <laughs> right. So that's, if anything, uh, an argument for declaring independence, not for not exactly. declaring independence. So if, if your husband says, if you leave me, I'll kill you, that's actually going to chase her away more. That's more reason to leave your abusive partner if they say, if you try to leave, I'll kill you. Right, okay, it so should I, be. I that in the book. That's a great point. But, but also, the, the, I think Ian mentioned in the FNHI survey that Survey USA did, it found that I think an average of around 6% of the people across the whole United States would support the federal government using military action against the state, the state that declares peaceful independence, which is what we're trying to do in New Hampshire and you know Texas and, and other states as well. So like, that's, that's another big reason. But I actually go through the actual war games. If you go through an actual war, the federal government with all of their might and everything versus the state of New Hampshire, and I explain why I don't think they could win that war. At best, it would be a stalemate. Afghanistan, 20, million, 20 years and uh, you know trillions of dollars down the hole and a stalemate. But well, best, yeah, I mean, I look at Afghanistan. I mean, what? like you said, they spent trillions of dollars over two decades, and they literally could not defeat a bunch of cave dwellers, right? Yep, with maybe a, a few AKs. You know, that's a, that's obviously, you know, a few hundred thousand. They had some ingenuity for sure. Like IEDs were definitely a problem and suicide bombers. Uh, but, uh, you know, they didn't have a budget and they it sure was, didn't have machine guns. Yeah. I mean, that was mostly a war of attrition, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, and that's the funny thing. It's like, there's nothing, there's nothing that says anybody has to really get up and fight like a, a war. Like, I don't think they really fought a war in Afghanistan, not a traditional war. It well, was, yeah, not two sides um, standing on a I field. I think you're missing the definition of war of attrition. War of attrition oh, means I? basically fighting until you run out of people. Um, oh, I see. I thought war of attrition was uh, more like, um, oh, geez, uh, more like I want to say more like guerrilla war, not necessarily guerrilla warfare, but basically you fight back a little bit, but not in any substantial way, and you just wait for the enemy to you know run out of resources, basically. Hmm. Mm, th- now I don't know if there's a specific term for that. I would call it hanging fire, which so hang fire is when you pull the trigger and. The- Round doesn't fire immediately. So, Alu, how did you... You said you did this wargaming uh, where you kind of tried to figure out what might happen. How did you run those calculations? Well, I think 
on a very basic level, the the things they could do to defeat New Hampshire is either a tremendous bomb, either nuclear bomb or regular whatever incendiary bomb, and blow up places in New Hampshire, which one uh, wouldn't work because they, there's no place to target. They could blow up the state house, but you and I wouldn't need in mind. That would be, you know, <laughs> I would help us out. Yeah. Yeah. They could blow, blow up every house in the state, which again, it would be the worst um, PR disaster in history of all humanity, and it would kill their own supporters as well, and right. Massachusetts people. Um, or they could do a nuclear bomb and kill everyone on the whole East Coast, including D.C. They wouldn't do that. That doesn't make um, sense. Or they can send in people to go door to door across 1.4 million people, most of which are armed, into their houses and try to kill them, which literally, militarily, they would not succeed. They couldn't do it. They would actually fail. Yeah, that, they, that they definitely seems yes. like a losing plan, and you're right. So I mean, dropping a nuke... They nu- can't go big with bombs, and they can't go door right. to door, so they actually probably can't yeah. win that war. The other big problem for them bringing their nuclear arsenal to bear is that we border on Canada, and Canada is not going to be happy about having yeah. fallout, uh, mm. you know, blowing I mean, over their border. That's about, a good point. What about the United States? I mean, we wouldn't be taking uh, uh, mass with us, and, and, and Boston's – I mean, Boston alone's got one point something million people, which is comparable to all of New Hampshire. Well, don't forget Martha's Vineyard. That's true. I mean, you could not nuke – uh, Manchester without taking yeah, Boston I out. The, I, heard, I saw a video a while ago that explained all of this. The smallest nuclear bomb in the world, which I think India has a few and the United States has a few, the smallest nuclear bomb that exists right now would, would affect like um, a third of the world or something as far as the nuclear fallout in the air, and it would really, really make them sick. So it would hurt India as well. But Alu, plug the book that you were talking about. What's the book? Yeah, The Blueprint, the Blueprint for Liberty. Uh, it explains why we have to succeed as well. The Blueprint for Liberty. Uh, go to, is it thelibertyblock.com? LibertyBlock.com. I always get that wrong. Damn it. LibertyBlock. I think I'd get this right by now. LibertyBlock.com. Alu Axelman, thanks for calling in tonight, man. I appreciate it. Uh, The phones are open here and you can join us. This is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. The phones are open here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Chris, nobody here tonight. You can join the show. You can bring up anything you want to discuss. And Free Talk Live, of course, is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com is where you can go to learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Just head on over there, click Get Started at the top of the page. And start learning some of the basics about cryptocurrency, which is what you ought to do before you get into it and maybe make a critical mistake. Like a lot of the people who bought coins on uh, FTX and then just left them sitting there. The old rule is not your keys, not your coins. These are some of the things you need to understand about cryptocurrency, like decentralization. Why is that such a benefit when it comes to the idea of transferring value from one person to the next? Uh, head over to Bitcoin.com and click Get Started at the top of the page. As we continue here, uh, back to your phone calls and thoughts. We've got Riley on the line here at uh, calling from Utah. Go ahead, Riley. So I'm really excited about the fact that psychedelics are being decriminalized in Colorado. That's an exciting development for me. But I want to comment about this church in Utah that is called the Divine Assembly. Before you do, I'm curious. I want to hear about the Divine Assembly, but... I mean, I just, I'm a little rusty on my geography out west. Is Colorado border, does it border Utah in the south? It does. It's on the east, it's east of Utah. Okay, interesting. All right, go ahead. Tell me about this church. Yeah. What's it called? Divine what? So it's called the Divine Assembly, mm-hmm. and it's a church that allows for psilocybin usage as a sacrament. Ooh. And I don't know how long this church has been around. I 
don't believe they have a set location for their, you know, services or whatever, but they are advocating for safe use of psilocybin in Utah as mm-hmm. spiritual sacrament. So that, to me, is an exciting thing. I think so, too. Now, has Utah had any kind of experience as far as legal challenges to, uh, you know, this, the the law on this basis? Like, New Hampshire has had this happen. It was in 2020, uh, December 2020, when a case went to the New Hampshire Supreme Court and was ruled unanimously in the favor of the individual who brought the case, who had been convicted at a superior court in New Hampshire of uh, possession of psilocybin, aka psychedelic mushrooms, and he was, you know, he was sent to prison for that. But uh, it was overturned completely by the Supreme Court here, where the New Hampshire Supreme Court said the New Hampshire Constitution clearly. Uh, protects the right of worship and that includes being able to worship how you want to worship and so uh, they overturn that so that's we're one of the few places where that's actually been acknowledged by the courts uh, anything going on there in utah on that in that range i haven't heard anything no at all so i do know that potentially coming up in the 2023 legislative year they're probably going to be looking at using psychedelics as for therapy here in Utah. Wow, in Utah of all places. I mean, you would think yeah. Utah would be a little bit uh, trailing behind the rest of the country. You would think on uh, on these issues. Yeah. I mean, is cannabis even legal there yet? What's the status on on that? It's legal for medical purposes okay. and for certain medical conditions. You have to get a medical card. Got it. That's, so, and the other thing you were talking about last night is mescaline, and there is another mescaline containing plant called San Pedro or Wachuma. It's a cactus found in South America, I believe, hmm. and it's also used ceremonially, and I've had experiences with that a few times, but not enough to really say, yeah, this is what it's like. I've just had some mild experiences with it. Hmm. I've, I have Last never... Night I dreamt of San Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that line's about? <laughs> I don't know, but it just, it just occurred to me when he said that. <laughs> Uh, I've never had the opportunity or uh, to do mescaline, and I, I don't know what it was like. I mean, as you said, you've done it a few times, Riley? I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very mild high, I would say. Hmm. What about uh, nobody? Have you had experience with that one? Um, I've had experience with, with mescaline. Uh, oh, God, purple microdot. But... Uh, um, it's not always a mild high. It depends on how much of it you take. Like mm-hmm. anything, if you take a lot of mescaline, it can be a very intense trip. Um, I'm sure and and uh, even more so if you if you take it in the natural peyote form, I guess. But uh, hmm. but you know, if you take a moderate amount, you're going to have a moderate trip. So, is the Divine Assembly based in Utah? Yes, it is. Okay. Have you met with these it was folks? Started by what's that? Have you met with them? Have you gone to you know meeting or meet up or? I have met them. I went to a festival they were doing over the summer, and I met them. They seemed like really nice guys. It was actually started by a former Mormon mm. who was a, also a former senator. So that's just pretty cool to me. That is interesting. I'm looking here at their website. It is thedivineassembly.org. Apparently, they've been covered in Rolling Stone magazine uh you can join the church they describe themselves as as a magic mushroom church protected by the religious freedom restoration act our mushroom sacrament helps us connect with the divine worship on your own or as an active part 
of TDA's healthy, interconnected community. Very interesting. Uh, Riley, anything else about it you want to share? Um, I, I don't have anything else I want to share about that specifically. I'm just really excited that that at least this hasn't gotten me pushed back in Utah. Oh, it will. <laughs> it will get some, yeah. definitely. Yeah, for sure. People Although, are afraid of this stuff. The interesting thing about Utah is there's a wild card, which is there's a lot of Mormons who would like to be practicing polygamy, mm-hmm. and they might recognize that an expansive definition of, of, uh, of uh, religious liberty works in their favor even mm. if they don't approve of the end so partially it depends on how strategically they think it's a yeah. good point right riley anything else you want to share i just want to thank you guys for your service and i'm looking forward to 2023 all right brother thanks for the call tonight definitely appreciate right. hearing from you the number here by the way riley is the guy that does the free talk live daily digest which uh, of course you see in our podcast feed at freetalklive.com. You can go to feeds.freetalklive.com and you can subscribe to that. We are going to be making uh, some changes to the podcast feed. It's going to be a big weekend for changes here on Free Talk Live. We, we had an experiment that started a few months ago uh, where the idea was, okay, well, we're just going to go to the digest only in the podcast. And the thought was that, okay, it's a shorter show. That means maybe it'll get more listens, maybe it'll be shared more often, but turns out the numbers overall are still, uh, they're, they're on decline, so we haven't seen any sort of great jump as a result of that, and so we're going to go back to sort of the old way, where the feed will include both the full show and the digest, and so that, uh, that experiment is going to end as of tonight, so people that have been clamoring to have the full show back in the, the regular feed, that will be happening again. Uh, starting tonight so but that but riley's still welcome to be doing his his digest and i presume he will uh, continue to do that uh as he has been doing but but i mean he may go back to like the shorter format of like 20 or 30 minutes which i think is is his preference so but we'll see that's one of the things that uh, is changing over this weekend so you can join us here on the air the number 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 maybe we can talk a little bit more about uh, the divine assembly i'm going to dig a little bit deeper into them because that's interesting and uh, also other things in the news this ketamine story we can get into that and I haven't even had a chance to find out what Chris wants to talk about tonight. I imagine he's got something, so we'll find that out, too. The number 603-283-6160. You can join the show and bring up what you want here on Free Talk Live. Inflation is a real problem. The Federal Reserve's endless printing is eating away your savings. Savvy investors are diversifying into the most stable assets in recorded history, gold and silver. Get yours from bullionmax.com slash FTL without dealing with a salesperson. Your precious metal ship fully insured directly to your home. It's fast. It's easy. Free Talk Live listeners can get a special deal. Employee pricing on Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit. Just go to bullionmax.com slash FTL. The kit includes five ounces of silver from the world's most popular mints. Plus, you'll get a free gold back. Just go to bullionmax.com slash FTL. It's the perfect time to invest in precious metals, so don't miss this limited-time special offer. Start your new investment with bullionmax.com slash FTL today. bullionmax.com slash FTL. (laughs) 
Free Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. And bring up anything you want. It's Ian, Chris, and nobody here joining you. And again, that number is 603-283-6160. Online, we have a lot of features. And one of those is our social media platform. It's running a Mastodon uh, software, which is open source. It is something that uh, is self-hosted, so we're running it on our own server. There's not some big megatech corporation behind it. You just go to social.freetalklive.com and you can get signed up there and bring up uh, and you know post whatever things you want to. You get a lot more freedom to speak when you're at social freetalklive.com let's go to the phones here we got more on the way here plus we can talk about this ketamine story uh coming up the doctors legally prescribing ketamine to thousands of people and doing it online but uh, chris cantwell is on the line here uh chris pretty fresh out of prison just got out about a week and a half ago uh at this point chris uh you called in to kind of update our listeners as to what's been going on with you and uh here you are again what's on your mind tonight so, uh, as many of your listeners will recall, I was involved in the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, in August of 2017, and there was a uh, civil lawsuit involved in that case, which I defended myself pro se and along with uh, a number of uh, my co-defendants. You had called and, uh, in, actually, during this time frame because you had been removed from federal prison, sent to Charlottesville or that area, and you were in a local jail being held during this trial, so you were no longer in the communications management unit and you were able to actually make a phone call out so you had actually called us during that time to kind of uh, give us a rundown on what happened if i recall correctly the situation was basically that uh the people who had sued you were using the term you used the term lawfare where they were using the law using the courts to try to financially ruin you uh, over this uh, this event that uh, that you had attended, where essentially there's uh, some political disagreements between you and the the people who brought the suit, and if I recall correctly, the uh, the intention was to just basically make it so you have to hire lawyers, or in, in your case, you did it yourself because you couldn't afford a lawyer, uh, and uh, and you know bog you down with a ton of legal crap that you have to spend your time and effort on. Uh, what else was sort of the purpose of this? Well, I mean, that was basically the, the idea that they're hoping to chase us around for the rest of our lives uh, trying to recover money. And so uh, to basically, you know, I mean, it, there's an article in um, Forward.com, the headline of which is, this Jewish lawyer wants to break the back of the violent white nationalist movement. And she basically went on to say that, you know, they have no expectation of actually collecting any money from us, but that they're going to make our lives miserable anyway, because mm. that's the whole entire purpose of the enterprise. And so uh, the verdict came down at the end of November last year, uh, but the court still hadn't issued a judgment on that verdict. I had been making motions seeking more time because the communications management unit was doing as they're reputed to do and interfering in the litigation. And uh, six days after I was released from prison, I submitted my post-trial motion and final to the court. Uh, today, the court came out and denied my motion for more time. And <laughs> of course they did. Posted, yeah, they have not posted the motion that I filed accordingly. Fortunate for me, I did get to like jot down uh, you know, a lot of my thoughts and handwritten motions and send them to the court. And the court did 
address a number of those arguments in the decision that came down today. I was asking them to set the verdict aside because they sued us claiming that it was a, a, a racially motivated violent conspiracy. And they had six counts. The first two counts needed to have that element. It was, they were federal civil rights claims. But the jury deadlocked on those counts. And so they didn't have a verdict for racially motivated violent conspiracy is the fact of the matter. Mm -hmm. And but they there's two subsequent counts, two, uh, three and four. There was like this Virginia hate crime statute and the Virginia hate crime statute could be racially motivated violence, vandalism or harassment. OK, and you can't sue me for violence and then collect a hate speech reparations consolation prize afterwards, mm -hmm. you know. If you show up to a demonstration, you don't like the speech that's going on there, you can't sue me for harassment afterwards. And if you did, you'd get laughed out of court, mm -hmm. you know. But the jury found us liable on those Virginia state statutes without finding us liable on the federal statutes. And so I argued, you know, the verdict should be set aside because you can't, if they didn't find racially motivated violent conspiracy, that's the whole point of the case. Well, let me ask you something, Camel. Um, there's two different. Uh, one you're talking about a criminal, right? And the other you're talking about civil. Is that correct? Well, right now I'm not talking about criminal at all. Like I okay. went to a criminal case. So these were two civil cases. No, it's the same case. It's the same, same case. case. There's one okay. civil action that contains six counts. Okay, understood. Okay. And some of and these counts so are federal, and some are are state. Is, yeah, am I understanding us, that correctly? They didn't find us liable on the federal counts is the point, right? And they found us liable on the state counts. But the state counts are more permissive, okay? So the, 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 the federal counts, you had to find a racially motivated violent conspiracy. And the, and, the, and the jury didn't find that, okay? But the jury asked during deliberations, you know, the jury can send a question out to the court, mm -hmm. right? One of the questions they asked was, are words a form of violence under the First Amendment? <laughs> Okay. And so the court was obviously like, no, that's ridiculous. Go back, you know, figure out your verdict. Okay. And so they came back deadlocked on the first account. And it's obvious what happened here. Okay. They held us liable for what we said on the, on the Virginia counts, because the Virginia count said racially motivated violence, vandalism, or harassment. They're saying essentially that the demonstration was a harassment. Okay. That's, that's first. Nonsense. I mean, that's, yeah, that's protected first amendment kind of stuff. Exactly. And so, but the judge, but, but the, it's, the statute is written ridiculous, okay? Mm -hmm. The statute says violence, vandalism, or harassment, and it's one law, okay? So they don't, like, it, there's not an interrogatory on the verdict form that says, which one was it, all right? Mm -hmm. But you can infer from the fact that they didn't find a, a verdict on the first two counts that what they found was not violence, mm -hmm. you know? We showed that they attacked us. We defended ourselves. And by the way, we didn't do anything to any of these plaintiffs, you know? James Fields crashes car into the crowd. There's nothing we could do about that, but none of us knew James Fields. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so <clears throat> the jury comes back with this verdict and gives all but two of the plaintiffs $1 in compensatory damages. Compensatory is like what you're owed, what your actual damages are. And then hit me and my other defendants with half a million dollars each in punitive damages. Okay. Hmm. And on the, the fourth count, which didn't contain a conspiracy element, it was, it was, but it's the same idea. It's the same statute. Um, they held us liable for two hundred fifty thousand dollars each to two two plaintiffs for half a million dollars, and then two hundred thousand dollars each in punitive damages. Okay. The court came out today. The Virginia law limits punitive damages to three hundred fifty thousand dollars per 
action. So the entire lawsuit, the punitive damages were limited to $350,000, which is big because they got like millions with all of the defendants and all of the counts. They got, you know, $20 million punitive damages or something like that. Now it's down to $350,000 split between 25 defendants. Wow. Okay. That's a big change. Yeah, it's a huge change, you know. I mean, I'm on the hook for like a hundred grand because me and five other guys were sued on count four, and and they gave them uh, five hundred thousand dollars in compensatory damages. So I get like a hundred thousand dollars in compensatories, and that's a little bit more difficult to do away with. Yeah, is, but, is that divided evenly know, like that? Because usually I thought it was they could go after each person for for the total amount potentially. You know, I'm, I, I really don't entirely understand this, but way that, the way the judge broke it down was like, he's, he says um, the reason he came to the conclusion that he did was we were arguing in part that the, the punitive damages were excessive on account of that they only gave $1 in compensatory damages on count three, okay? You can't have a, a ratio of compensatory to punitive damages of 500000 to one. It's, it's unconstitutional, okay? Hmm. And so... It, 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 there's case law that says it's a violation of due process, okay? And so the judge says, well, I guess... Hold that thought. We'll continue out, here so. with Chris Cantwell and an update on the civil case out of uh, Charlottesville, Virginia that he's been dealing with for the, the last couple of years. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more about this as the people who had their feelings hurt have decided that they're going to sue. And there's more coming up here in moments. You can share your thoughts as well. This is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. The phones are open. If you want to join in here, the number is 603 283 6160. We get into the story about the doctor that's prescribing ketamine to thousands of people online. And uh, apparently it's completely legal. See and Chris and nobody here tonight. We're going back to your phone calls and thoughts with uh, Christopher Cantwell on the line here. He is out of prison after being punished for essentially having an online spat with somebody that uh, he didn't get along with. And the FBI decided they were going to get involved in that, turn him into a political prisoner for the last three years of his life, regardless of what you think about his views on things. And, you know, he's definitely changed his views over the years. Uh, But, Chris, you are finally out of federal prison, but the uh, harassment hasn't ended by the state and its uh, connected individuals. You've been targeted by some attorneys down in Charlottesville, Virginia, for the last couple of years in a civil case. And you just got an update in that case today that you've been uh, regaling us with here. Basically, it sounds like the amount that you thought you were going to be paying, which was closer to a million dollars, around 700-something thousand, is now closer to $100,000 after uh, the judge issued the recent ruling. Is it, Am I following you correctly on this? Yeah, that's that's about the math that uh, that I've worked out here. I'm still processing the thing. And they also... this. It, we haven't gotten the ruling on their attorney's fees. They're coming after us for like $16 million in oh my God. fees and costs, <laughs> and we haven't gotten the ruling on that yet. Wow. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, either way, like, you are not exactly well-heeled at this moment. Uh, as I understand it, at uh, your website, ChristopherCantwell.net, you've been doing fundraising just to try to get your uh, your podcast back on the air. I mean, you're, you're hoping to just barely pay rent. How are they expecting you to pay even 100000 let alone you know a million dollars of an attorney's fee? 
And well, are they, these uh, civil judgments dischargeable by bankruptcy? So the um, the attorney's fees will be dischargeable through bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, since I have been sued for an intentional tort, um, the compensatory damages that I'm being held liable for, which is the bulk of the, the number that we just uttered, um, that is going to be, uh, it's going to be more difficult to discharge. Mm. But, you know, the, the attorney's fees are the same thing, like I said before. If you sue me for a racially motivated violent conspiracy and you don't get that, well, you can't, the fact that you spent $25 million trying to come up with that, you know, it doesn't, it's not my fault, you know. Mm-hmm. You tried to prove a case, you failed to prove it, you got a consolation prize in the end, and the idea that I'm going to be on the hook for, what, $17 million is kind of, uh, kind of, kind of out there. Yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, we're definitely going to be looking into an appeal. The judge addressed my argument that they only could have found us liable for our words, and address would be a strong word. He just dismisses it outright. He's just like, no, that's not what happened. And then he just moves on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's going to be uh, one of the primary grounds for the appeal is that, you know, if you don't have the federal case, then you don't have a violent conspiracy and you can't hold me liable for harassment when you show up and you stalk me in a city. You know, we tried to avoid these people. The whole point of like <clears throat> what we were doing was to try to keep us separated from them. And they did everything in their power to get at us. And that's mm-hmm. their fault. It's not ours, you know. So yeah, if I recall correctly, you guys had reached out to the Charlottesville Police Department in advance of this thing and basically said where you're going to be, what your plan was, and you asked for uh, for protection, didn't you? Yes, we did. And that protection was not forthcoming, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, this is... Surprise, happened, surprise. You know, yeah, I've been to these demonstrations in other places, and the guys who I was with have done them a lot more than I have. And we always know that these Antifa people, you know, Antifa became on the tip of everybody's tongue in 2020, but we've known about these people for years. And so, you know, we knew that they were dangerous and the, and the feds knew they were dangerous too. Like the Department of Homeland Security put out this like um, this notice and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the feds were involved. Everybody knew about what was going on there and they just let it happen, you know? And I, and I think that it was intentional. I think they wanted to blame it on the president and they did. You know, I mean, you still hear, you know, Joe Biden bring up Charlottesville whenever he talks about Donald Trump. It's crazy. Well, I mean, the reality is the feds are going to be as embedded in the Antifa as they are within, uh, you know, the white nationalist movement. Oh, for sure. They embed themselves in any kind of political movement that's uh, that's out there, especially the ones where they think they can gin up people to be violent. I mean, so the the fact is the feds are Antifa and they are the white nationalists, you know, in a lot of cases. Well. And there's, there's the a government is that, the terrorist. You know? and, and if they aren't any, they just make them. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. And it, te- and it tells you something very troubling that like we don't have anything on these people. Right. These it's not like it's it's not it's, it's not like it's plausible that the feds don't know what Antifa is doing. You know, they're going and setting federal courthouses on fire and killing cops. for I say so the idea that the feds are just like, oh, no, this is just an idea. We don't you know, it, it's not plausible, you know. These people are being aided by intelligence agencies mm-hmm. is what's going on. It's the same thing with all this Twitter nonsense, and it's it's dirty as hell, and uh, I'm not going to stop fighting it. 
Well, Chris, thanks for uh, the update here tonight, and uh, I've, I've checked out a couple of your blogs over at uh, ChristopherCantwell.net. If you want to see what Chris has been up to, uh, see if he's changed his mind about anything recently, you can find his recent episode of uh, Still Named Radical Agenda for Now, although it sounds like you've got a plan to uh, to change that in the future. That That's right. Radical Agenda Stage 6 is going to be the conclusion of the Radical Agenda, at which point I'm going to rebrand and move on to other things, but... I'm just getting started, fellas. So, <laughs> ChristopherCantwell.net, stage six, episode zero. I sort of tell the story of, uh, uh, you know, going to prison and, you know, how we got here and what I plan to do going forward. It's an interesting listen for anybody's interested. Do you uh, do you have a prison story you want to share tonight? Because, I mean, you can't go to prison for uh, three years <laughs> and, uh, and not pick up a few stories. You know, I off the top of my head, I, I gotta you know you gotta be careful what you say about what happens in prison. You know, sure. Uh, the, the the place the place where I was at was it, what was interesting about it. Even though they interfered in my litigation and, and made my communications very difficult, mm-hmm. the upside is that you know political prisoners are good to be around in prison. Like they're calm. They're not screaming all the time. They're not fighting all the time. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So you know you get a bunch of like. Muslims and white nationalists hanging out watching the news. You know, it's it's really not that big of a deal. You know, we had a we had a pretty good time. So, all right, man. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, Chris. Thanks. I appreciate. Uh, Thank you very much from you. Take care. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160 If you want to join the show here tonight, uh, of course you can bring up absolutely anything that's on your mind. You guys have any any other comments about uh, Chris and his his situation? Nah, nobody. No. Nope. All right, uh, 603-283-6160. So uh, this headline caught my attention. Uh, it's about ketamine, which is a drug that is illegal to possess without a prescription. Uh, it's it's known for being fairly trippy, from what I understand. It is one of the ones that I've only ever heard about. I've, I've not had any personal experience with it. Nobody, have you? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's uh, relatively mild down. Um, it can be very intense in larger quantities, um, and that's true of anything. The the uh, whatever the substance is, the difference between you know food and poison is dosage. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, ketamine's fun. Uh, so again, if you're ever going to do some sort of uh, a drug, you want to do your research first, I recommend arrowid.org and get in there and, and read about things extensively before you decide, decide to try it. But the interesting thing about this story is apparently you can now get prescriptions for ketamine online and it's completely legal. According to this uh, piece here from looks like the Washington Post, uh, ketamine, which is sometimes abused as a street drug, has shown promise in treating depression and anxiety. But instead of dispensing it in a clinic or under the strict protocols endorsed by the Food and Drug Administration, a South Carolina physician orders generic lozenges online for patients to take at home. He says this practice, though controversial, has benefited more than half of his 3,000 patients. He said in an interview, people are beating a path to my door. He's part of a wave of doctors and telehealth startups that are capitalizing on the pandemic-inspired federal public health emergency declaration, which waived a requirement for healthcare providers to see patients in person to prescribe controlled substances. Mm. So this is one of the, the benefits here of what happened during the COVID uh, restrictions, was they actually opened up the medical market a little bit. 
And now you can get these prescriptions without actually having to physically go and sit in a doctor's waiting room and then sit in front of an actual doctor because you can just do it over a video call. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about here a little bit more. And it, maybe you've had experience with this. Uh, it's, they're calling it telehealth. The number is 603-283-6160. And I think this is a move in the right direction. Uh, the more accessible that we can make things like this, uh, the safer people are going to be. If you're getting ketamine through an actual doctor under doctor's advisement, you're going to be safer likely than just scoring it on the street somewhere when you don't really know what you're getting from who. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. Hour number two is next. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. And we are back with more Free Talk Live here, kicking off the second hour of the show. We're talking about legal ketamine. Sort of a known for being a drug that can be used for illegal purposes, like getting high. It's uh, illegal, as I understand it, to possess it. I don't know what schedule it is. It must be lower than Schedule 1, because Schedule 1 is the feds determining that the drug has absolutely no medical use. This one can be prescribed. Uh, so, it's, you know, something lower than that. But uh, it's Ian here with you tonight. And Chris. And nobody. And so we're talking about this telehealth thing, and actually uh, Jay in our chat room over at chat.freetalklive.com, he says they advertise Adderall telehealth all the time. They basically give you a questionnaire if you wonder if you have ADHD, then you pay this company money, you get an online consultation and then a script for a monthly fee. It stops just short of saying they'll pretty much give it to you no matter what, LOL. Uh, so I know nobody that, uh, you know, you've been interested in, in this. Uh, I think you are a prescribed user of, uh, of Adderall. Have you heard about any of these online options? Have you considered them? Um, I, I have heard of them. Um, my, I mean, I'm more or less doing telehealth in that I just call in each month mm. and say I need a new uh, prescription. So, mm-hmm. And that's been saving a lot of money because it used to be that I had to go and sit in the doctor's office for an hour right. every. That's just crazy, and yeah. you know it would cost a hundred bucks or a hundred and fifty bucks. So um, they don't charge you as much when you just call in. No. Okay. All right. No. Good. But did you have to go for the initial consult in the actual hospital or the doctor's office? Um. Yeah, I'm getting it from my primary care physician. So okay. Uh, so I I do. Um, she has seen me. So this is a little bit different than in that these people have never seen this guy in real life. They've never actually had to sit in front of the man in an actual office and have a conversation in that way. So it's getting it's getting even simpler. It's getting even uh, lower cost because what happened when the uh, the marijuana certi- certifications or whatever the medical uh, certificates for that went online that that really just opened up uh, the floodgates for mm. for options for people because it used to be you would have only been able to go in your local area to find a doctor that would have been okay with prescribing marijuana under the state program and then the telehealth thing just completely opened you know the floodgates because now you can choose any of these online options the price of the visitation has gone down to the bottom of the barrel you know you can go and get one of these marijuana certificates from California doctors like through these online houses for 30 bucks 
30, 30, 35 bucks or something like that. It's nothing. Uh, and again, I don't know what the Adderall ones cost, but I bet you they're pretty affordable too. In the story here, we're talking about ketamine. The uh, man in, the, in question is a South Carolina physician, and his name is Scott Smith. He says he's got 3,000 patients, and half of them, more than half, are going through this telehealth route. Uh, and it's due to an emergency declaration which waived a requirement during COVID, and I guess it's still in place, for healthcare providers to see patients in person in order to prescribe controlled substances. Now, this is particularly noteworthy because controlled substances, the DEA is kind of crazy about their uh, their protection racket here. Like, they are very careful about who they authorize to prescribe controlled substances, and they're very oh, yeah. strict controls on how those are, are released. They, they do some crazy stuff, too. But, I, I don't know if they take away the licenses, but I know, like... I know they do some crazy stuff of that nature if you prescribe too many uh, oh yeah you could face criminal controlled subs or if you prescribe too many controlled substances to too many people Correct. even though they all need it yeah it's crazy yes yeah, so they're always yeah, walking and to some extent this exposes their game I think because really they're kind of confessing that what we really want is the money uh what's What's important to us is to force your money into the cartel, and if we can do that with uh, with no medical, no actual medical requirements, that's fine. We just want your money. The waiver has enabled the man to build a national ketamine practice from his home outside Charleston and fueled a boom among telehealth companies that have raised millions from investors. As the urgency around COVID-19 subsides, many expect the waiver to expire this spring. Companies, of course, are lobbying to extend it, and patients are bracing for a disruption to purely virtual care. Quote, I would not have wanted to do this if I had to go to a clinic, said Steve, a Chicago resident who works in public relations and who spoke on the condition his last name be withheld because of the stigma around the drug. Ketamine, he says, has helped his bipolar disorder more than any other medication. We'll have to ask Sarah when she calls in if uh, she's ever tried ketamine because she claims... She, bipolar. Oh, she does claim bipolar, yeah. doesn't she? Uh, he said that, uh, and he wants to continue taking it. Quote, it's not, it's just not going to happen if that regulation changes, unquote. So he didn't want to go physically to a doctor. He feels more secure, uh, maybe a little more anonymous or whatever, even though obviously you still have to give up your name and, and yeah. ID and things like that. But it's just being a little bit more disconnected, being at a distance uh, makes this guy feel a little bit better about, you know, he's not having to physically walk in to the ketamine clinic. Right? You know, no one's going to see him doing this. Uh, according to the story here, the DEA in 2020 temporarily waived the requirement that prescribers meet patients in person before treating them with several classes of drugs, from opioids to certain treatments for depression. DEA spokes bureaucrats said the agency's working on regulations to allow this permanently, but declined to provide details or a timeline. Of course, the best solution here would be to abolish the DEA entirely, but no one in Congress is ever going to propose anything like that. At least eight companies have begun providing ketamine by telehealth since the start of the pandemic. Between Just Smith and two of the better-known companies, New Life and Mindbloom, more than 10,000 patients have been treated at home. Virtual ketamine startups say they're making the treatment vastly more accessible and improving patients' lives. But many psychiatrists, including those who believe in ketamine's promise for treating mental illness, 
worry that having patients taking it outside of a doctor's direct supervision is a step too far too soon. I mean, it's not like these people are not going to be getting paid. Right. It's not like these people are not. It's none of these people are taking it in front of their doctors anyway. Right. Like (laughs) that's true. This whole idea that it's in direct supervision of the doctors is ridiculous. It's it's some sort of like pill or something. Right. Because in a lot of these cases um, with depression, they're doing a 40-minute IV drip. Hmm. And if you've got an IV, then yes, you are in a clinical okay. environment, probably. Well, in this case, this doctor is prescribing just tabs. Yeah. So he's not uh, mm-hmm. he's not doing the IV thing. I, I'm not. Okay, so okay, maybe I'm a little bit wrong. Uh, I would I, I suspect it's most of the people though. Am I wrong? They're self-diagnosing me or self self-dosing. They're taking some sort of, uh, of um, a pill. pill or yeah. something, right? It's yeah. not. It's not. Most of these aren't drip based. Uh, I wouldn't think. Well, at least of the ones that are getting the online, right, they're, sure. they're almost all going to be pill. They have to be. How else would they do it? Right. Yeah. I mean, they might crush them up and snort yeah. them. I don't know. but I mean, it's it's not impossible. I used to give my wife IVs mm-hmm. at home. Yeah, that's true. Uh, for cancer, but... Uh, it's probably it's, a little bit different, though. But you're um, absolutely right, nobody. A this little is... bit, but, you know, it's, it's definitely more sophisticated than um, just taking a tablet. It right. takes... Uh, it you you have to know how to do it, and they they will teach you. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. This is definitely those psychiatrists who are complaining about this. They're mad because they're they're losing out, right? Like they used to have the lockdown on this particular drug, and now they can be prescribed from online, and their services aren't necessary anymore. And so they're they're crying from the rooftop, saying, "Oh, this could be really bad. This could be really dangerous. You you need our help." You know, you know what it comes down yeah. to is it's it's creating competition in the marketplace where there didn't used to be That's right. competition. Um, and you know, this is actually, no one likes that. It, this is actually kind of a, a bigger nobody th- likes that. No one in business, right? And it's, this is kind of a bigger <laughs> thing than just like that, right? Because it's it, what is you know what is a uh, you know you, you go to school you get your what do you, what, you get your doc some sort of doctor yeah. right um, but really what is that there's a limited number of those they give out and it's severely limited relative to the number of people capable of getting those degrees so, right right yeah. so you've got the limit on the doctors and then the limit on the people that are uh, able to prescribe this one highly right. controlled medication in uh, the 80s and 90s the federal government was paying hospitals not to train doctors we're going to continue here in moments this is free talk live it's free talk live you can join the show here and bring up anything you want to discuss the number is 603-283-6160 especially if you've had experience with the telehealth phenomenon that has been expanding over the years, and I think for the better. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm really glad to see these things happening. I have had some experience with the the cannabis online prescription thing. I tried that a few years back, and it it was super easy. I mean, you just basically you fill out a form online, and then a a doctor calls you up on you know Skype or whatever Zoom or something like that, and you have literally a two minute conversation and you know the doctor's like oh cannabis helps you with sleeping yeah. 
yes yes it does okay <laughs> here's your prescription you know like it's it's uh it's basically like a really quick like faster than yeah. you would even expect it to be they're just churning out these prescriptions and I, it sounds like that's what's going on with ketamine now as well and i think that's for the better yeah i i you know i always have to wonder like why isn't it like you know when they make you come in like they do all this extra stuff that has nothing to do with the reason that you came in yeah for and it's kind of funny because like they have less and less time to deal with patients and it's like and then when you actually right. need them to talk to you it's like they don't, they don't have, have time, time for you it's like can't we just like shorten this to you know prescriptions through some sort of telehealth especially for yeah. stuff like this that you don't need to see a doctor no, you know really don't. For- people people can make their own decision it's it's your body right if you know that something works for you then that's all that you need to know right like you don't need to have some expert tell you and, that you're right you, you know the other crazy thing is like it's it, you think you would be talking to like more like a pharmacist, right? Somebody who knows the drugs mm-hmm. because that's not really what the doctors are trained in. It just it just seems so bizarre that you go to a doctor to prescribe something that the doctor doesn't necessarily know that much about relative to like, you know, somebody who's an expert in the drug field. Right. Yeah, you know, it's a cartel. Yeah. As we were discussing earlier, the number of doctors is artificially limited. And then it's limited even further by the DEA that has a specific level of control over certain substances and, and who can issue uh, the prescriptions for them. Uh, before we go on here with the story about the telehealth, though, I do want to uh, let you know about the Socratic experience. This is a way for you to get your child the same elite education found at Oxford at an affordable price. And it's thanks to an online a uh, system that was set up by Michael Strong. He's a highly acclaimed, globally known educator. He launched his online academy called the Socratic Experience, where students learn through philosophical dialogue and are engaged in a highly social and inspiring learning environment. The Socratic Experience nurtures your child's unique genius. It's a proven school where their students have gotten into the most prestigious universities and highly selective companies. You can uh, go to socraticexperience.com slash FTL. You can download the parent guide there and get 20% off your first year's tuition. That's 20% off by going to socraticexperience.com slash FTL. Class space is limited. Uh, so we're going to continue here a little bit more about this doctor who's got thousands of patients online that he's prescribing ketamine to and apparently they're saying ketamine is is really helpful for people that have uh, anxiety and depression and uh, we hear about this all the time especially with young people these days that they're always talking about how they got anxiety and depression and so you know maybe this can help them with that and why should they have to sit in a doctor's office for hours at a time every three months or whenever it is that they you know need to get a refill on uh, on one of these things or get the initial prescription. According to the story here, we're again talking about how the DEA has waived the requirement temporarily, quote unquote, starting in 2020. And they're saying it may be re-restricted as soon as this spring, unless something is done uh, to extend this. Supposedly, the DEA is going to, quote unquote, work on regulations to allow the exemption permanently but there's no details or a timeline about that. For now, there have been more than 10,000 patients who've been treated at home just with this online ketamine prescription thing. Now, the doctor they uh, they interviewed here, who is uh, Scott Smith, he says that the federal waiver should be made permanent and is unbothered by critics who question the wisdom of mailing ketamine to patients at home. He says, quote, I'm like a medic running around on the battlefield taking care of wounded people, and ketamine helps the people that I'm taking care of, he said. 
It has long been used in hospitals for anesthesia and abused recreationally for its mind-altering properties. But in recent years, it's shown promise for delivering rapid relief to patients with mental health conditions who've tried conventional antidepressants without success. You know, the funny thing is they uh, look at their definition of abuse there. Uh, people are People take it and they feel better. Okay. Well, what happens when you take it under a doctor's care? If it's working, you feel better. (laughs) You know, there's, there's, there's not a big difference there except permission. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and there's also, it's important to note, there's always a, and people don't really talk about this, but when it comes to the legal use of any drug, there are different categories and they always talk about if it's illegal, it's abuse. But that's not true. Mm. There are people who use illegal drugs or drugs illegally that are just simply using them, right? They are doing it on their own choice. They're doing it at their own discretion, their own choice of of dosage and time and and place and things like that. And many of those people are using those drugs in, if it's even if it's a recreational manner, they're using them in a responsible manner, and that's a huge difference from someone who is ab- abusing those drugs, which suggests that the individual is just going whole hog and dosing all the time and hurting themselves and hurting their family and, and you know losing their job, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the key thing I'm hearing from you, Ian, is that they're, they're using it basically, identi- in many cases, identically to, whether, to the person who would have the same thing prescribed to them. In many cases. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah. An example of this um, is uh, during during the uh, during the pandemic, the government randomly sent me an insurance card. Um, but before that, instead of paying a doctor to get Adderall, um, I was ordering um, meth off the dark web. And the thing is that that worked out fine. So long as I dosed it the way the same way I dosed the Adderall, mm-hmm. you know, which is about twenty milligrams, whereas people who are doing meth recreationally are doing, um, you know, sometimes they'll do half a gram in a day. Woo. So that's like you know twenty twenty five times as much as I'm taking, mm-hmm. um, or was taking. Um, but yeah, it it. So long as you're reasonable with dosage, um, you know, it's a good substitute. You know what people should probably compare it to is alcohol, right? Like, you know, um, alcohol is, is you know generally legal. It's highly abused. But it, it's highly abused, but yeah. not relative to the percentage of people not abusing it. I think you're right about that. Yeah, most yeah. people are, I yeah. would hope, responsible drinkers. Right. Most people who drink, drink. Well, I'll put quotes in responsibly, but mm-hmm. responsibly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a small percentage that don't. Yeah, usually about 10% of the users of any given drug will abuse it. The And they would abuse it anyway, right? Like if, right. If well, they would be abusing something yeah. is the thing. If you take yeah. a particular drug away from them, they'll find, they'll find something, something else. else. Yeah, for sure. All right, we got more coming up here. If you want to share your experience, maybe you've done the, the ketamine thing online and it's been working great for you. And what you know, How has it helped you? Uh, if you want to tell your own story, you can do that. Uh, coming up, Chris is going to tell us about the Informed Consumers Act. Hey, I, I like informed consumers. This must be a good <laughs> piece of legislation. Coming up.
Talk Live. The phones are open here, and uh, you can join us. T and Chris and nobody in the studio tonight. Nobody's actually out of the studio, but hopefully will be rejoining us soon. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. If you want to join the show, you can bring up absolutely anything you want. It doesn't have to be about this uh, this telehealth thing. We're looking at ketamine, uh, which is something that has always kind of you know, had its medical uses and had its recreational uses as well. And now it's easier to get than ever, thanks to, of all people, the DEA during COVID providing an emergency declaration waiving the requirement for doctors to have to see patients in person. And that has freed up this market in a way that has been previously unheard of. Uh, in that now anybody can, you know, as long as they've got the, the DEA approval to uh, to prescribe ketamine, they can prescribe it to somebody over the phone or over a, a video screen, basically, which means that uh, you, if you're a doctor willing to do this, you're opening up your marketplace to the entire United States instead of just, you know, 60 miles around or whatever. So it can really open up uh, a business for somebody. And in this case, this guy that they're interviewing here, a doctor outside of uh, Charleston, uh, Scott Smith, he has now ha- has thousands of patients. The majority of them are online patients for ketamine. Now, they, uh, they have a lot of requirements around the prescriptions of ketamine. According to the story here at the Washington Post, the FDA had approved a nasal spray derived from ketamine called Spravato in 2019 to treat severe depression. But that approval came with strict guardrails to ensure patient safety, a nod to known side effects such as altered consciousness and increases in blood pressure. The FDA requires that patients be monitored by healthcare professionals for two hours after they take wow. Spravato. In addition to mandating certain steps for clinics and pharmacies, these safety measures may have unintended consequence. Some ketamine scholars say rather than going through the extensive FDA requirements, more patients and doctors may turn to what is known as off-label ketamine, ordering the generic variety that the FDA has approved for anesthesia to instead treat depression. Ketamine clinics have opened up across the nation to provide the generic version through an IV infusion, which is, I guess, what you were talking about earlier, nobody. Uh, yeah, that was the original Johns Hopkins study, well, was now, uh, IV drips. And well, now, with a federal waiver of requirements to treat patients in person, more healthcare professionals and venture capital-backed startups are prescribing ketamine in the form of dissolving tablets that patients can take at home. The growing use of off-label ketamine outside direct medical supervision has aroused concern among some psychiatrists who worry there isn't enough evidence to show it's safe. Gerard Sanacora, the director of the Yale Depression Research Program, who led a team that pioneered ketamine to treat depression, said this, said, I'm very concerned about treatments that deviate too far from the standard recommendations given by the FDA. I really do believe that is one of the major advances of psychiatry in the past half century, but we have to be very careful to continue to develop this responsibly. And, uh, you know, once again here, this is just somebody who's a complete inside-the-system person who says, oh, well, doctors can't make their own decisions with their own patients about what's working for them. You have to follow the FDA's rules. Yeah, I mean, and you have to really wonder, like, what's holding back? I mean, if, if this one doctor alone has thousands of patients, what's holding back a study? The only thing holding back a study is the government. That's a good point. 
Uh, I understand the concern, said Juan Pablo Capello, the chief of a, a Miami-based company, New Life, spelled N-U-E, New Life, launched in 2021 to provide virtual ketamine therapy. He said further, what really I spend my time thinking about is suffering that's going on today and how to alleviate it. Among telehealth companies offering ketamine, the details vary, but the model is similar. Patients meet with a doctor virtually to determine whether ketamine therapy is appropriate. If so, a provider orders generic ketamine lozenges from a pharmacy. The patients mail a dose with instructions to have a sitter present while they take the ketamine and to how to follow up after the experience. Prescribing practitioners work with patients to adjust the dose and monitor their symptoms. The telehealth model allows ketamine providers to offer the treatment at lower cost than infusion clinics, which can run hundreds of dollars per session. So not only does this make the actual prescribing of it easier in that you don't have to physically go to a doctor's office, it makes the dosing of it easier because you don't have to go into some other office to get an IV drip. You can just take a pill at home with your loved one sitting there to make sure that you don't go into some sort of, I don't know, K-hole yeah, or something. I, I mean, and the crazy thing is it's not like you can't get medical help if something doesn't go right. You know, right. it's like as long as there's somebody sitting next to you, well, guess what? You can still go and get medical help. Yeah, and we're not hearing about like some crazy number of stories about people going into K holes from taking these right. uh, these pills. I mean, if if there was an epidemic out there, you can better believe that the drug, uh, you know, the the drug prohibitionists would be pushing those stories, mm. right? If somebody goes into a K hole, which is what they call it, by the way, when you take too much ketamine, uh, that you know you go, you basically get tranquilized, like a, it's it's horse tranquilizer, right? Mm. Uh, you know, when you go into uh, the K- I don't know if they use it with cats uh, or with horses. I think cat, cats and dogs mostly. Is the horse tranquilizer something else? PCP. Oh, okay. Well, which either. does not tranquilize humans. <laughs> what it, does it do? <laughs> uh, it's a very strong psychedelic, and uh, and and it can be nasty stuff. I don't recommend it at all. So, according to the story here, Ryan Magnuson is the chief executive of ketamine provider WonderMed. He said in a statement, quote, at home, ketamine has increased accessibility for those who may not have access to ketamine clinics due to physical location, cost, and time commitments. Further, these telehealth providers are trying to translate their patients' experiences into a scientifically rigorous proof that ketamine is safe and effective to take at home. So, it sounds like they are trying to do the study that you were suggesting uh, Chris, company websites highlight research findings alongside images of blissful-looking people in warm hues, though the scientific claims at time lack context. For instance, New Life cites an American Psychiatric Association publication that ketamine's effects are rapid and robust, without mentioning another passage in the same paper. Quote, we strongly advise against the prescription of at-home self-administration of ketamine, unquote. The association still maintains this view. But that's the American Psychiatric Association. Oh, my gosh. That's the same group of people that in this entire article, every time they interview one of them, they're always talking about how you shouldn't be able to do this at home. And you need to be under their provision, under their yeah. offices, under their... And spending, paying them. Right, spending hundreds of dollars per session. Yeah, this this is the same group that says homosexuality is, uh, is a mental disorder or disease really? or something. The yeah. Psychiatric Association. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. There's a... Uh, and the way they they get to their results is not through science or you know studies it's mm. it's through basically a board voting on what should be in it um there's there's no there's no science behind it so it's political it's all political yeah mm. 
Uh, let's see what else. WonderMed proclaims that over 90% of patients see an improvement in anxiety and depression. But that is among those who have reported on their well-being, and some 40% have not. MindBloom similarly touts 89% of its clients report improvement for these conditions, but the figure comes from a study where more than half of the participants did not report any follow-up data. Despite incomplete data, the study is a point of pride for MindBloom. Their chief executive and academine patient himself, Dylan Bynan, said that uh, it is the largest ever peer-reviewed study on ketamine therapy showing that 63% of over 1,200 patients had a clinically significant improvement in their anxiety and depression and fewer than 5% reported side effects. So, I mean, these are pretty uh, pretty important numbers here. The study has some le- uh, limitations. It didn't compare ketamine treatment with a control group receiving a placebo, which is the gold standard for gauging a drug's safety and impact. Oh, that is... That is something that they shouldn't have probably left out. I mean, generally, when you're when you're doing studies on drugs, you always want to do a placebo uh, yeah. study as well, <laughs> because in a lot of cases, the placebo will do as well as the drug, which is kind of yep. an interesting uh, thing to look at. But then again, these people aren't the actual drug manufacturers; they're just the people that are trying to connect the users with the thing that they want for whatever reason they want it. Now, the question is, can you, you know, can you crush up one of these pills? Or are there things in them that uh, that prevent you from doing it that way? Like, you know, a drug user may not want to take it yeah. orally, uh, but <laughs> they may put other things in there to make that difficult. There's more coming up here in moments. You can join the show. Bring up whatever you want here. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Coming up, we're going to get into the Informed Consumers Act. Is it what it sounds like? What was the Patriot Act? What it sounded <laughs> like? We'll find out. Chris has a story about that coming up here. Uh, with you tonight, you do have Ian, Chris, and nobody, and the phones are open if you want to join the show. Of course, the number is 603-283-6160. We're in a fairly in-depth story here about ketamine. Uh, being made available online through what is a an emergency declaration by the DEA that has allowed for doctors to uh, prescribe ketamine online during quote unquote the pandemic. Now, of course, there have actually been whole businesses that have been created within just the last two years uh, that have focused on doing online prescriptions for ketamine for people that have anxiety and depression, and there are a lot of people who apparently suffer from anxiety and depression these days. So the marketplace is is expanding uh, in this way. And, and the folks who are doing this business, they're saying that it's helping people. They're saying they're, they've helped thousands of people uh, get this, what they're calling life-saving medication here. And they're worried that the federal government is going to undo all of this helpful, you know, provisions that they put into place this as soon as this spring that they may just shut it down again lock it down again make it so you have to go back to a physical uh doctor to get these things i mean wasn't wasn't the whole implementation of this uh current regime or well previous regime i guess uh just to make it harder for people it wasn't like there was a safety component even argued it was just to make it harder because there were too many people abusing it isn't well, that how it got started? Because wasn't wasn't the weren't uh, the prescriptions? It didn't used to be the case. I thought that you had to go back again and again and again to get a prescription every month. It was just well, you would normally get a what a couple refills, and then you'd have to go back to to see the doctor. Isn't that typically? I, how I don't know. Prescriptions uh, nobody, work? do you? Are you any more familiar with this? See there, nobody. You there? I'm sorry, I missed that. I missed the question. Yeah, yeah I, I I was under the impression that it used to be you know maybe. 
20 years ago, uh, you know, you get a prescription and you wouldn't have to go back, you know, every month uh, to get it like renewed, like to see a doctor every month. And that was something that they implemented in the last decade or so. Um, Do you know well, about what it was before? Apply, that does not apply to controlled substances. You cannot get a refill on a controlled substance. Oh, so you always have to go back to the doctor every time? Um, or now you can call in. Right. But was what was it before, like a couple, like a, two decades ago? Was it that way still back then? Because I thought it, they changed that at some point, like in the last decade or so. Um. I don't know in that much detail. Okay. Hmm. Well, if you do know the answer to Chris's question, the number is 603-283-6160. A little bit more here from this story of the Washington Post. Again, the guy is uh, Scott Smith, who's the doctor they've been focusing on in this story. Uh, He used to work in an emergency room in the early 1990s, and at the time he knew that ketamine was a drug that could be used to sedate patients. His understanding began to shift with the experience of his wife, who after suffering from depression had tried ketamine infusions. He said, I had lost... You're supposed to do that while you're suffering from depression, not after. I think she was still still suffering (laughs) uh, from depression. But uh, he said that... Because otherwise you're just closing the barn door after the horse is out. He said uh, he had lost the person that uh, that he had married, and he said that after her ketamine treatment, quote, I got my college girlfriend back. That was a life-changing event, he said. He describes himself as a person who gets obsessed with things, and uh, they describe the things that he's interested in. His uh, ketamine is his latest fixation. He closed his brick-and-mortar family practice during the pandemic to focus on ketamine by telemedicine, where patient demand was higher. People began reaching out to him on Reddit, where he posts under the handle Ketamine Dr. Smith to see if he could treat them. With a federal public health emergency declaration, he could. It took getting licensed in states where the patients lived, though, he said. He went all in, obtaining licenses in 45 states in addition to South Carolina, according to the Washington Post Review of State Licensing Databases. His Louisiana license expired in May. In July, an Alabama law required telehealth providers to meet patients in person to prescribe a controlled substance like ketamine. Initially, though, he said it was like building a bridge while you're driving across it. Uh, His wife, Catherine, his medical assistant, added, we're really saving more lives than we ever did in our primary care practice. Smith estimates that about 5% of patients who come to him aren't good candidates for ketamine therapy, and he declines to treat them. Occasionally, younger patients will ask for a prescription simply because they want to try the drug. He says they think it's like an internet service. There's like a drive through window at McDonald's for ketamine. Smith only treats patients for a legitimate medical purpose, he says, usually for depression, anxiety, or post-traumatic stress disorder. His patients generally pay $250 a month, which includes the supply of ketamine, 10 tablets at a time. Seems a little hefty, but then again, I don't know what ketamine costs. And follow up, and, and then they did point out that the IV thing—you got to pay hundreds of dollars per per dose. So I guess ten tablets for two hundred fifty you know, is a lot cheaper. You know what seems weird about it too, though, is it sounds like it's including the ketamine as opposed it is. to yeah, as opposed to <laughs> uh, you know getting a prescription and then what you're really paying for is the, the the medicine. In contrast, you can get a gram of ketamine for like fifty bucks on the dark web. Okay, that sounds a lot cheaper. Than- yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna go with the later approach. But then if you get caught with it and you don't have a prescription for it, then you're looking at criminal penalties. Whereas <laughs> if you have a prescription for it, then you're probably going to be okay. That's probably true. Right? 
It would be interesting to get the prescription once and uh, make <laughs> your future orders off the dark web. This is not legal advice, uh, but it is <laughs> no, it's interesting. Not. That is an I, interesting suggestion. A lot of Does interesting <laughs> things are bad ideas. Yeah. Uh, more than half respond well, he says, of those who he treats, and he will prescribe ketamine for six months and then encourage them to stop taking it. Ketamine does, because, you know, in a lot of cases, some of these drugs that we've been seeing uh, that are quote-unquote illegal or recreational, they're showing a lot of potential in some of these studies that are being done on people. Uh, we've talked about uh, psilocybin and mushrooms for treating people with PTSD. Uh, and I have they been doing mushrooms for depression? Nobody, have you, I feel like I've seen some study about that, but I'm, I'm not 100%. Uh, yeah, mushrooms have also been used for depression. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, you know, we've we've seen some pretty interesting studies. MDMA also, I think, has been used in uh, some pretty positive results. And what they found, at least in the mushroom studies that, that we've seen, that people that have PTSD who have tried every other, you know, sort of legitimate, quote-unquote, medical therapy for it and failed have had success with one dose of mushrooms yeah you know you know what else it's interesting too is i i mean i don't know about this specifically but i also am aware that with other drugs in many cases uh you you can be on them for a couple years and uh and then and then not need them anymore uh right you can you can just kind of wean yourself off and unlike antidepressants where you have to take those for the rest of your life in many cases yeah quite often the mushroom treatment as i understand it uh there would be three doses right and that's lifetime. Right, because you are actually, in those cases, you're addressing the actual root problems. Because you don't want to just treat something like depression or anxiety with a pill that tries to cover it up, which is essentially what a lot of these antidepressants are doing. They're just covering up the symptoms after the fact. Whereas when you go in with something like a, with, with mushroom therapy, for instance, or perhaps with this ketamine, I don't know enough about it, uh, but with, with things like mushroom therapy... You can literally have someone cured in relatively short order, and this is something they've been they've been studying now for close to I think most of two decades uh, at this point, and it's very very promising stuff. According, yeah, to, I, go ahead. definitely. Uh, according to the story here, by taking ketamine orally, patients absorb less of the drug and more slowly than they do if it's administered through an IV. Smith says he thinks this reduces the risk of side effects. Uh, and he, uh, because he doesn't physically watch patients take ketamine, he acknowledges it is possible for them to take the drug inappropriately, taking multiple doses at once to get a high, for instance, or selling the ketamine to others. Still, he says he has ways of holding patients accountable, such as having them do a pill count on screen to see if they're taking the doses as directed. He says that at first he scheduled virtual appointments with patients uh, in the evening and would stay by his computer for 90 minutes. He said, because he was worried something might happen, he said it was so incredibly uneventful and such a poor use of my time. If a competent adult has someone sit with them, that is adequate. Uh, he, he says he takes this seriously as far as, you know, he's worried he might have his medical license taken away. He could be fined. He could do jail time for continuing to treat people who may be abusing ketamine. Of some 3,000 patients, he said there have only been two who wanted to abuse the drug and he stopped prescribing and arranged follow-up care for them. So... I think this is great news. Kudos to this guy and kudos to these uh, these companies that are, you know, taking some level of risk by sort of putting themselves out there as these online prescription services for this drug that 
you know, it's it's got a some negative publicity surrounding it. But they're they're doing it, and they're they're probably helping a lot of people in this case. And if a handful of people are getting some recreational ketamine from it, I don't think that's going to be the end of the world either. Uh, they but, got recreational ketamine before. Yeah. Yeah, that was always the dark web. <laughs> and there still is. Right. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. You do your own research, though. Hour number three is coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open as we kick off the third hour of the program. The number is 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's Ian and Chris joining us remotely. Nobody. You can join us online. Just join us at freetalklive.com. We've got all kinds of features there. They are completely free. Uh, once again, that's freetalklive.com. We're going to jump into your phone calls here to start things out this hour. But coming up, Chris has a story about something new called the Informed Consumers Act. We're going to find out what that really is all about. Will it actually improve the information that consumers have? Will it help consumers? Or will it protect the existing establishment from competition? We'll find out. Coming up here. Uh, But first, we're going to go to Joe in Maryland. He is uh, on the line. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. uh, uh, Happy New Year, nobody. Welcome, sir. Happy New Year, Chris. Merry Christmas. You got kind of a shoddy connection here tonight, Joe, uh, but go ahead uh, quickly with your thoughts. Ah, shoot. He was sounding okay when I, when I screened the call. Joe, one more chance here. Go ahead. Mm, no, I'm afraid it's uh, it's not better. I'll tell you what. I'll put you on hold. We might try it back here in a little bit. Let's talk to Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yes. Thank you. So um, it turns out that New New Jersey and Philadelphia schools um, districts, they are going to have masks mandated again. Oh, God. I'll tell you what. I do want to hear about that, Sarah. But first, we were talking about you a little bit earlier in the show here tonight because uh, we had this story about the ketamine clinics, these online uh, ketamine prescription businesses that are uh, proliferating in the last couple of years. And I'm wondering if you, as someone who has you know, revealed publicly that you suffer from bipolar uh, disorder, have you heard about ketamine as a potential treatment for that? And are you being treated for bipolar? Oh, no, I am not being treated uh, bipolar, but it's not required by Social Security unless... Mm-hmm. Unless it's court ordered, they cannot mandate medication or um, mental hospitals. I, I have to be um, nuisance to the public, like harm to myself mm-hmm. or to the public to be court ordered. So, no, I, I am not getting any kind of treatment. Would they pay but, for uh, it if you, uh, if you wanted to be treated for bipolar? Would that be covered by your Social Security? Yeah, Medicaid, if I want to be on medications, but I, mm-hmm. I choose not to. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Just curious, so because I, apparently this uh, apparently this ketamine stuff is really helping people that uh, that have the bipolar disorder. It's like helping cure them. I don't know. Might be, it might be something to look into. Well, you know, I, I, I think I'm if a... If you're not cured, though, you don't have to earn a living. 
So, yeah, I got to call in today at the KKOB, the local station, and I brought up that speeding cameras were the best thing that happened all this year. Ten did, speeding did cameras they agree with you? Well, um, well, both of the, the hosts and city councilor, Pat Davis, they kind of opposed it. But the thing is that um, that um, the host said that he had to snitch out his son because he was driving his car. And so he had to pay it or make him go do four hours of community service. But it's got instruction to have how to snitch people out to follow your car. And it's usually your family or people, your best friend. So you, you better pay up. So wait, wait, wait. I mean, why would you have to snitch on anybody? Wait, you wait, just, wait. You're, just to clarify what you said, Sarah, you're saying that when people get the ticket from the automated cameras, it has instructions on how to snitch on who is actually driving? Right, that's correct. So in this case, the... the Do you get was, it, uh, Chris, it was, to where you... Yeah, but why would you have to snitch? All you'd have to say is, I wasn't the driver, right? Well, they want to know who really was, and sure, they want but, you to reveal that. I mean, they'd have to right, like right. force you to testify or, or uh, subpoena you or something in a well, court. Or they can just convince you. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to convince you to testify yeah, against your, no, thank you. your, your, <laughs> you know, your lover or your best friend and or And what whatever. if you don't remember or you don't know who the driver was? Indeed. You don't have any obligation to talk to these people. Right. For sure. For sure. All right, well, Sarah. So let's talk about the mask up. mandate. So you're saying that uh, New York and New Jersey, uh, w- w- they may be bringing this thing back? Right, I guess for duration until like March or something. I mean, during the um, this season because the flu is so bad and the COVID is still out there, so those um, areas they do have the mandate. But I, I'll tell you that I wear my mask when I ride the bus and I wash my hands, and I I just appreciate other people that are wearing a mask inside the stores and. You know what? Um, I don't appreciate those people. What kind of mask are no, you wearing? I do. Huh? What kind of mask are you wearing? Just a cloth one. I, I don't know. the. You have to order online. Those are, are you aware those are completely uh, ineffective? <laughs> so it's just a decoration. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, com- I'm not a computer. you got to order online. She didn't answer. She didn't, did you hear his question? Are you purposely ignoring the question that he asked you? Um, you did not. I mean, I think they work. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's a mask mandate because it does help help um, out quite a bit. <laughs> it, it doesn't, though. No, it doesn't. Um, the, you, there might be masks that work, but the the mask, the cloth masks that you're you're wearing don't work. That's the humorous part about the whole you know mask mandate is is they they're even, not they're not even you, the worst of the liars among the uh, medical authorities have admitted that a cloth mask isn't going to do anything right. for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your reality. In well, my, oh, case, that's this, right. This is her reality. Uh, <laughs> we're not yeah, repeating. Right. Does Doctor Fauci live in your in your reality? Because uh, he has admitted that uh, that cloth masks aren't going to yeah. do anything. Sarah, for I, you. I just want to point something out. This is not my opinion, right? This is just this is what like the medical establishment has been saying. If you actually pay attention to what's been in the news um, and you've been following it, they just they don't work. It's it's not that masks can't work. It's that they don't work in this particular case for this thing. They might work in other cases, like for example, um, with like dust and things like that, like when you know workers work on houses and things, but they're yeah. not working. They're not going to work to keep the viruses out or, you know, they're not effective for that. An N95 mask may well work. That's what people uh, wear when they're working with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cloth mask. No way. 
Well, you know, the thing is, uh, yeah, to me, I mean, but I think it's Philadelphia and New Jersey. They're doing a really good thing because don't they have a lot of high concentration of population and all the kids are all bunched up, so they don't really have much option. Cause they sure, they do. RSP. The people who well, don't. they have a lot of option. If wearing a mask protects you, then, or you believe that wearing a mask protects you, wear a mask. If you don't believe that it helps you, don't wear one. I'm just um, I'm just blown away by by the fact that people are wearing these cloth masks. It's like I, I if if you wore something that like might have some sort of impact, like I okay, I can I understand that. You're you know, you're doing something that makes sense, but when you wear something that has absolutely no effect, you're just doing it for political it's reasons. Just, it's just she show. wants to signal to people, right. she wants to feel good, she has a belief about this and her belief is completely erroneous but regardless and of course even the ones that quote unquote might work you know like an n95 or whatever everybody's always using them in an inappropriate manner anyway they're always touching it right. the, the mask constantly they're touching their face they're touch, you know so like it's not really they're not doing the right protocols no. along with the mask no. and, anyway. and you're right you're right about that there is a procedure and this is the funny thing is if you if you looked back like a couple of years before covid there's a procedure and there's medical uh there's directions for medical people to how how to wear these masks so that they actually are effective and you're right just getting an n95 mask in and of itself isn't that's not all you have to do you actually have to wear it correctly right and plus sarah i mean you're talking about if you're still masking reading the side of the box would be a good idea because (laughs) the cloth masks say on the box literally this will not protect you against covid yeah i've seen it yeah i have too Uh, thank you, Sarah, well, for the call tonight. Well, I'll uh, call another night. You will. Yeah, she calls every night yes. anyway. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Plus, all of this hubbub is over a disease that has been shown to be fairly safe, all things considered. You're really only going to – you only have a chance of dying from this thing if you are morbidly obese – and have other, you know, problems. Complications. Yeah, yeah, serious mental or serious physical issues. And you're up in your age uh, with those serious issues. We're coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open and you can join the show. Bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bullion Max. You know inflation is a real problem out there. The government, the Federal Reserve, continuing to print more money out into existence, which means that prices are going to keep going up. What do you do about it? Well, savvy investors have been diversifying into some of the most stable assets in recorded history, gold and silver. And you can, too, by going to bullionmax.com slash FTL. You don't have to deal with a salesperson. You get your precious metal shipped, fully insured, directly to your home. It's fast, it's easy, and Free Talk Live, live listeners can get a special deal. 
you get employee pricing on Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit. It's five ounces of silver from the world's most popular mints, and you'll get a free gold back as well. So it's a great excuse to get into the world of precious metals, or if you're new to Bullion Max, uh, grab something at a great price. Of course, they've got an uh, amazing selection of a ton of different items at bullionmax.com FTL. Great time to get into precious metals. Don't miss out on this. Uh, it's uh, once again the Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing at bullionmax.com slash FTL. We're going to try Joe one more time here. Hopefully his signal has cleaned up a bit in Maryland. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, yeah, I could tell Sarah I always wear my Batman mask when I go out so she'd be safe around me. Do you, do you really wear your Batman mask? No. Oh, okay. I'm being deceived. I mean, you could if you if you wanted to. <laughs> You're kind of tied down to a to a hospital bed, from what I understand, Joe. Yeah, I'm calling for my hospital bed right now. Yeah, hey, and that's why I'm calling. If these, okay. Uh, oh God, now it's gotten even worse. I don't know what's going on with the with the line here tonight, and uh, it just. How about now? Okay, it's better now. Okay, if these drugs would help people, why don't they just let doctors prescribe them on a temporary basis? They help the people. That would even be a test study they could do. They're afraid somebody might have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I'm sorry, man. Thanks for the call tonight. I do appreciate it. Um, but yeah, they, they don't want to break the monopoly, you know, or the oligopoly between these doctors that have the uh, the special permission to prescribe this stuff. They know that what they got is a sweet deal, and they certainly don't want to open up the marketplace to competition. And that's why the American Psychiatrist Association is pissed about these online uh, ketamine dealers that are doing it completely legally under these new rules. They're mad because the market's changed. The face of the market is is uh, different. It's more available. The drug's more available than it's ever been. It's cheaper than it's ever been. And that's money that's been taken off the table for these folks. So they're pissed. Yeah, these are the same people who uh, did the uh, lobotomies and uh, a lot of other t- really terrible stuff. The psychiatrists, y- yeah. Um, in the you know past hundred and fifty years, it's they've just kind of moved from one bad thing to another, and it's quite a lot of it's quite disturbing. Uh, something else is quite disturbing, Chris. The story that you're going to share here about the Informed Consumers Act, which apparently has passed. It was apparently rolled into the omnibus spending bill with a. trillion uh, price tag on it that just got passed and signed yesterday by Joe Biden. You know, the one that's got the $45 billion extra for uh, Ukraine because another $38 billion wasn't enough. They had to up it to $45 billion. That's the one. Yeah, so this apparently is in there. This is what you're about to tell us about. It is. um, If if you're in the politician market, buy a Biden because... uh, Really, a hundred million in bribes, and the Ukraine is getting at least a hundred billion back. Yeah, it's That's over a hundred ten to one payoff yeah. on your grift. That's over a hundred and ten billion now at this point with this new. Forty-five billion, and, and it's it's probably more than that because that's just the U.S. government, uh, you know, True. given that that doesn't yeah. include all the other governments right. who are doing it, you know, making contributions on mm-hmm. behalf of the U.S. Uh, government or are being pushed into doing it by the U.S. The government. EU, for instance, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a good point. I mean, the EU isn't, you know, in uh, how do I say this? It's their EU has been more mm, haphazard as it when it comes to supporting Ukraine. Uh, especially places like Germany, mm-hmm. as just as an example, they were very uh, hesitant to 
to contribute anything because obviously it would cause a disruption in their oil supply. And has so, and it has well, <laughs> that, and they know the danger of Nazis. Hmm. It's true. <laughs> you know, a lot of the Europeans are more aware of the Nazi problem in the Ukraine. I don't know if you were joking on that or if that was no, serious. No, it's true. No, I'm not joking at all. The Azov Battalion is a battalion of the Ukrainian military that is explicitly uh, Nazi. They're fascists. They're, um, in a lot of cases, they're actually the offspring of Ukrainian Nazi collaborators uh, during World War II, and they hold those people up as as heroes. Okay. Because uh, Ukraine decided... Um, well, a, a number of people in the Ukraine sided with the Nazis during World War II, um, you know, and probably partially because they saw the Soviet Union as just the greater evil, but a lot of them are into that. Yeah, I mean, I know there was a lot of uh, collaborators, and I know, um, what was it, I think Finland, actually? Uh, was it Finland? I think, yeah, Finland. Finland had a lot of collaborators uh, back in the, Finland, yeah, but, the government was in, in in on the same side as the Nazis, if I recall correctly, because they were against the Soviet Union. I think they had a non-aggression treaty with the uh, with the Nazis, but I don't think they had anything beyond that. Although there were people who wanted to. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the, the reasons for it weren't necessarily because they supported the Nazis, just that. You know they they had a they had a bigger enemy to to concern themselves with next door, which which is Russia or Soviet Union at the time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, Chris, what do we need to know yeah, about this so, new um, story here? So uh, this story is from the AP News. Funding bill targets online sites amid retail theft concerns. So they're they're portraying this as a retail theft issue. Uh, Which has been a problem in uh, places like San Francisco, where people have been literally just walking in <laughs> in broad daylight, filling up knapsacks full of items and walking out. Sure. But what this has to do with that, I have uh, no idea. I mean, this is, I mean, that's something that's been an issue for, I don't know, since the 90s, at least. Oh, I get, I get where they're coming it's, from. There's been a big change in that issue recently, though. What's um, that? Well, the... Uh, the there have been a number of district attorneys who have been saying uh we're not going to prosecute you for a theft less than a thousand dollars um so that's that makes a huge difference because a thousand dollars is a fair amount of money to you know your average criminal sure and and the way these the way this and this is actually kind of humorous because the way these um thefts are occurring is via what they i'm trying to think how they refer to it exactly but they're uh they're criminal gangs so to speak and mm-hmm, that's right and rather than you know going in you know shooting up a place and whatever trying to rob the, the the cash register uh what they do is instead and i've actually seen this firsthand um i mean this was this was not recently this would have been like i don't know two early 2000s so this has been going on a long time but they actually will come in a group of them uh in a car will drive up in a car you'll have seven or eight people they'll walk in one after another and they will basically try and back in those days they would try to return goods that were stolen from another store mm. and uh and get money back for you know thousands and thousands of dollars of goods but you'll know it's a gang because it's they come in like every five every five ten minutes mm. one after another and they'll be like at a place like you know and where i was it was a very white area we're coming up free talk free talk live phones are open 
happen here. And you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. Chris is going to tell us about the Informed Consumers Act, which apparently has just been passed by the federal government, Congress, signed by the president in the form of this new omnibus spending bill, the $1.7 trillion bill that just got passed. Uh, it's going to be given all kinds of, you know, boondoggle money to corporate connected individuals and that sort of thing. And the, you know, the usual political log rolling and back scratching and that it's always happening in D.C. But now they're going to help inform the consumers and we're going to find out more about that. I do want to say thank you, though, to Joseph Anania, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. Joseph has joined over at amps.freetalklive.com, and you can, too. He's doing five bucks a month, which is all that we ask for. It helps us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. So if you appreciate the work that we do here seven nights a week, talking about the ideas of liberty and peace and freedom on broadcast radio and online as well, join Joseph. And you get access to certain uh, benefits by doing that, like the AMP-only podcast, which has the uh, recorded show or the the full radio show without any of the recorded ads. So you get that perk and more over at amps.freetalklive.com. Chris, tell me more about this informed so-called Consumers Act. What's what's going on with that? Yeah, so it got rolled into the, uh, I believe it's called the Omnibus Spending Bill, but the spending bill that recently Mm -hmm. passed. This Um, is where everybody just throws all the stuff that they want to because it's going to pass. Right, all the stuff they can't get passed, Mm -hmm. this is where it goes at the end of the year because the spending bill has to pass. Because if they don't, then the government, quote unquote, shuts down. Right. Yeah. 4,000 pages in in this budget. So that's four times the length of Atlas Shrugged. Mm. They released it um, less than 24 hours before they voted on Sounds it. pretty typical. Yeah. Retailers are scoring one win in the government's wide, uh, government, government-wide spending bill, which will force online marketplaces like Amazon and Facebook to verify. I, I'm going to literally quote this right now because it's so ridiculous high volume sellers on their platform Hmm. amid heightened concerns about retail crime. Okay. They're not going after the criminals. They're going after sellers and the, the number here. uh, Well, all right, hold on. I'll I'll get to that in a minute. That ties back into the shoplifting story, probably because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you shoplift um, a whole bunch of diapers, which are surprisingly expensive, you, most of the time the guy stealing the diapers doesn't need diapers he needs money so yeah. he then takes that to ebay to sell it it's it's not even necessarily like that's one way they do it but there's other ways they do it like they'll return the merchandise for store credit and then they will sell the store credit that's another way they do it well that is an option but this is the newer thing that what they're seeing with these big gangs that are doing this in like san francisco is they'll hire homeless people right so the gangsters themselves Mm -hmm. aren't putting their own uh butts on the line to actually do the stealing okay they'll pay a homeless person a fraction of the value of the the products or buy them some crack whatever they sold or or whatever right or whatever they steal i guess yeah so they go in the homeless person doesn't care right if they get caught they're just going to jail and then you know no big deal and then of course as you pointed out some of the prosecutors aren't even prosecuting if it's less than a thousand dollars so they literally walk in with a you know a knapsack fill the thing up with products from cvs or whatever they walk out they turn it over to the gang wherever it is their meetup is with the gang and then supposedly the gang is moving so much product with this 
Because, I mean, these these stores are trying to lock down all of the shelves. It's getting cr- really crazy. Yep. Uh, they've got so much product, they've got to do something with it. They can't just take it all back into these stores. So they're going and they're selling them online. That's where this bill is purportedly, quote-unquote, trying to help by trying to identify the sellers, supposedly, so that might help <laughs> maybe break a case or something like that. It's a, it's a stretch. It's a big it really stretch. It doesn't um, protect consumers either. No, hell no. No. The stores. Well, no. and that's the thing. And the fact that they're they're advertising it as to protect consumers is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, because especially if we're talking about stolen goods, because the stolen goods aren't going to, you know, like, I mean, there might be some examples you could pull. Like, for example, maybe if it's like, uh, I don't know, stolen um, uh, uh, medicine or something like that, which, you know, maybe isn't maintained in. Uh, you know, I don't know, correct refrigeration or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how often does that really happen? I mean, that's usually the kind of stuff that's kept behind the counter, and you know, there's cameras all over it. If it and requires it's refrigeration. Up. It pretty much needs to be behind the counter, right? Because- there are no refrigerated aisles in your in your local pharmacy. Yeah, they're not going in there. They're not stealing that kind of I, stuff. They're stealing, you know, shampoo bottles and they're stealing diapers and, right. and things like that. So I, they just they flip them on these sites. What this is, and we're getting to. I want to hear more about it, but it sounds like what they're doing here is they're actually protecting eBay and Amazon, who already do this stuff. They already have information about their sellers. I have an account on eBay that I have had since 1997, okay? So, like, I've had this thing for 25 years at this point, and there was something that I sold on eBay recently. I don't sell there very often, but, you know, every now and then I got something I want to sell. I'll sell on eBay, and, of course, the fees are worse than they've ever been. But the worst part about it now is eBay told me, after the sale, mind you, after they'd already collected from the buyer, oh, you want this money? Well, now you have to identify yourself. You have to put in your social security number. You have to jump through all these ID hoops. Was that eBay? eBay. Not PayPal, eBay. eBay. Yeah, PayPal and eBay are no longer the same company anymore. So both eBay and PayPal were demanding that of you. PayPal has nothing to do with eBay anymore. They're right. uh, they're no longer the same company. Right, I understand that. That's why I'm kind of yeah. I'm wondering because eBay will interface directly with your bank account now. Oh, right, right, mm-hmm. right. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, so they're this, already doing what this happened doing. super recently. They asked you this, didn't they? Within the last year. Yeah. Within the last year. I think I got an I think I got a message from eBay myself actually within like the last couple of weeks and mm-hmm. I just kind of don't I don't think I responded. Well, if you're any. not selling anything there, it doesn't matter. Well, I am, it, but I, I that uh, well, <laughs> my company is. But to get a payout, they're going to require that you jump through all the hoops if you haven't done that. Yeah, I, I'm probably I don't know if I'm going to or not. But yeah. anyway, yeah, well, they I ain't going to pay you then <laughs> if you well, don't do it. That might be. They'll just but, hold the money forever. Well, well, you know? well. I mean, I can stop. I can stop doing business with sure, eBay, but then they're yeah. going to hold the money. Whatever it is that they've collected for you on your behalf, they're just going to sit there and hold it. Until you jump through their hoops. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, so the way I think eBay is paying out right now is it gets to like 100 bucks and they pay out. I mean, that's not... No, well, they're not going to pay out unless you jump through their hoops. That's their new their new policy. Okay, yeah, I mean, uh, that might so be... So that's the thing. Maybe they saw this coming or maybe they asked the government to do this so everybody has to be on the quote-unquote same playing field. You know, that way it's eBay well, can... Go ahead. Also, there's the new thing where they have to report um every payout of six hundred dollars or more yep. yep that's why they're collecting tax ids and things like yeah. that i mean this too. is this is but one... they don't have to have any transparency on the money that goes to the ukraine because that's only a <laughs> you know 
<laughs> a few hundred billion. Right. That's that's buying weapons. That's exempt. I mean, that's this is fine. all the more reason why we need more decentralization and people running their own websites as opposed yeah. to being on these centralized platforms, uh, because it ends up hurting. It ends up hurting everybody in terms of higher costs. You know, that I think it's 10 percent on eBay. Um, it's 30 no, percent on it's Amazon. Is it more it's than, more than 10. More it's than 10 percent. It's got to be 15, 20, somewhere in that range, at least 15 yeah, I, I, you know, crazy. I'm not entirely sure what it is off the top of my head. It's uh, highway robbery. It's it's it's. I know it's high. It's it's yeah. it's absolutely amazing. You know what people are paying on these platforms. Oh yeah, and, and then, most people don't even know. And then I had a conversation with the buyer uh, on like direct messaging on eBay, and they're monitoring the messages and they are looking for certain phrases like address. So if you try to cut a deal with somebody through their oh, yeah. messaging system, they jump all over you and they will ban you and they will not deliver the message to the other person if you try to if you try to cut any kind of deal outside of well, eBay. You know, you know what's interesting about that is if if it catches you, it, it doesn't actually ban you from the site automatically. Mm-hmm. It's just like it just says some sort of kind of vague message. It'll stop you from messaging it, that person. Right, it will. Yeah. Um but if you change it, at least the way it was working before, is if you change or remove that one word, it lets it go through anyway. It so depends. you can still you can still do it. It's pretty it's it's a pretty smart annoying system that they have set up to try to keep their, you know, it, it try used to keep to be, you buying through their site. It used to be dumber it's sounds like maybe they got yeah, better at it yeah but. it's awful uh all right so more coming up here you can share your thoughts the number is 603-283-6160 they need some good competition but with laws like this in place it's going to be harder than ever for new businesses to get started and offer that those other options this is this sounds like protectionism to me this is free talk live more coming up remaining moments enough time for you if you join us now as the the days in this year are short there are only two more full days to go here not even that uh we'll be back here of course throughout the weekend live on new year's eve live on new year's day as we are every single year so join us as your uh, new year's weekend goes on uh here tonight it is ian and Chris. Nobody was. And nobody. There, there he is. <laughs> uh, so we are uh, talking about this bill, Chris, that you brought up tonight. The Informed Consumers Act is what they're calling it. We'll learn a little bit more about it, hopefully. But first, we go to Tom in Texas. He's watching us on YouTube. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, Ian. Thank you for your service. Thanks, And Tom. I know nobody loves crypto. <laughs> Nobody is is not concerned in any way about sports ball. <laughs> um, so I, I he said crypto. Uh, nobody. I don't know if you heard what he said. He said nobody. Oh, loves crypto. I thought he said football. I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? No, <laughs> I, I thought he was trying not to answer the question or something, or not to respond or something. It's like nobody does love crypto. That's true, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty uh, much everything the, but BTC. Well, okay. I mean, whatever. But <laughs> I, I one of my biggest pet peeves is the language that's tossed around like it doesn't have any intrinsic, intrinsic value. And I think that is just absurd on its face. Um, but like when we departed from the gold standard uh, with the U.S. dollar in the 70s, 
people like to say that the, the, the dollar doesn't have any intrinsic value and all that stuff. I get that. But like it really, it in a way it does. Like if we're going to be honest about this, it's the, the military is the thing that backs the dollar. And in that... You mean they'll kill context, you if you don't use it? No, not necessarily. It's just the value is supported globally through mm. militaristic force. Well, and, they will uh, kill you if you use it to buy and sell oil on the world market. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, for sure. You know, that was Gaddafi and Hussein. You mean if they you mean they'll yeah. kill you if you don't use it to buy oil? Uh yes, right. that's right. Okay. Yeah, and, and in those ways they they pigeonhole uh nations into using it and and, and that we all believe is evil. And rightly so. I think it's a stretch, though, Tom, to say that because there are psychopaths out there that will murder you or destroy your your homeland if you don't use their their form of money, that that has intrinsic value. I mean, that's just... No, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I, I mixed it up. It is a pragmatic view of what backs the U.S. dollar. That definitely backs it. I'll give you that, yes. The force of government, the threat of violence is the backing of the dollar. That's true. And also your need to get dollars to pay taxes, Mm -hmm. like property taxes. It can't be paid in any other way. Exactly. Right. Like, again, they pigeonhole us into its use. Mm -hmm. But the glorious thing about cryptocurrency and and decentralized uh, digital currency as it is, uh, it 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 the, is it's backed by the infrastructure that uh, facilitates it, and that's to say that the value of it, or the, the util sorry, the utility of it is that we get to exchange value decentralized. And yes. The, but but from a novice point of view. Um, it's very easy to say, well, there, you know, it doesn't, it, it has no intrinsic value or it's not valuable. Well, sh- like, sure. But the thing is that it takes a lot of resources to facilitate the, the calculations and uh, uh, the, the, the ledger. The network is valuable. Uh, That's the thing. And this yeah. is exactly. this was That's for me. What I want to say. Yeah. Th- yeah, this for me was my big issue when I first heard about uh, Bitcoin over a decade ago on this show. As well as like my my question was, well, what's it backed by? Because I was thinking of gold and silver and and things like that. And it was finally explained to me that it's actually the reliability of the network that in, ensures that you can trans you can you, know, you can transfer value. Uh, you can transact with another individual or whatever, wherever they are on the planet in an instant in a uh, permissionless way where no one can stand between you. That is real value, and the, the Bitcoin network Absolutely. provides that value. The, yeah. utility, the, the utility of cryptocurrency is way more, uh, uh, it, it's way more useful for a value exchange than something, and I really appreciate uh, precious metals and all commodities for that matter. But the thing is about gold and silver, but particularly gold, is the the, the verification of that uh, commodity is extremely difficult. Yeah, that's and true. there's been a lot of fraud about gold. Uh, they, they can just encase lead in gold, and it looks like a gold coin, mm-hmm. and it, it weighs the same. 
but verifying it, like a novice wouldn't have any It actually idea. does not weigh the same. Mm. And the reason is that gold is one of the, one of the densest, uh, and this is one of the reasons that gold is such a good monetary metal. It's one of the densest metals out there. So you can, you can fill in a hole in a less dense metal with a more dense metal and make the uh, and make the density correct by leaving an air bubble. But if you've got yeah, yeah. the most de- dense metal there is, there's nothing you can put into it that's more dense. Well, I mean, but he is well, compar- Tom is bringing fraud, up a good though. point about it. I mean, there are problems with fraud in the precious metals world, and it is a you know an issue. There's that's, no doubt about that's that. That's definitely true. But I guess I guess let's well let's put it this way: if you want to check. The uh, if you want to check if your gold is good, one of the things you want to check is its density. Sure, but the average right, but person can't. No, they can't. And if you want to do like an ad hoc exchange, you're going to have to bring in a third party, and that costs even more, more time, more resources to actually validate yeah. the exchange. But I, I agree. That's one it, of the reasons that I love the idea of gold uh, stable coins. By the way. I all of, I'm look, I'm a maximalist. I'm not a I'm a universalist. I'm a Big Ten guy. I, I I think that it's all good, but to say that cryptocurrency okay, how can you be a maximalist? No, how, how can I, you sorry, be? I think he misspoke. He said he's a Big Ten guy. Is what he said. He says it's all good. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think there's value. There's even in BTC, and I I've heard like BTC is it, it's losing its. Uh, context or, or its utility for uh, uh, micro changes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. It's been gone for years. Right, uh, but in in the way of like digital gold to back large exchanges, it's even it, it that's where its utility lies. But like, because I, I, I've made exchanges on BTC and it's taken a lot longer than I wanted it to, and yeah. then I did something like Dash or uh, you know. Uh, like the worst, in my view, is Monero, but Monero's utility is not in microtransactions necessarily. It's for um, privacy. Uh, privacy, sure. right? Yeah. Exactly. So they and, and, and like I ask people, it's like, well, do you do you only use Visa? No, I mean, like you've got Mastercard. Yeah, that's and all true. These other there's different forms of, uh, of yeah of the dollar right. out there. Tom, I got to cut you short, man. Own. I appreciate the yeah, call man. here tonight. We're toward Thanks, the end guys. of the show, but I, I definitely appreciate your uh, your thoughts on that. Uh, I want to bring David in here in New Mexico because he's been waiting there. David, go ahead. Yeah, you're out of time. I got a lot I could say, but instead of saying that, let me start with the most important uh, one and two. Uh, one, and you can verify this with Mark. Uh, I, I told you I want to talk about law. There's lots of points of law, but you can verify with Mark that way, 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 way before your trial began, I predicted the outcome 100%. I didn't miss anything. And, uh, two, and we can discuss that later uh, in public and private. And two, um, it, rather than because you got no time, the most important thing is if you actually read the words that some intelligent dudes like yourself wrote 200 and some 250 years ago, there are instructions in there that will help you solve all of your problems that you complain about, that I complain about, uh, today and uh, you like you said you're out of time or we could talk about it we'll talk about are you it talking about the constitution what are you talking about now, I, 
all the I'm talking about the thoughts, the words, the deeds of people like yourself that lived 250 years plus or minus before us. They had a lot of good ideas, and they and, and if they had they been heeded, we wouldn't be in this predicament. And we can use those words to get out of this predicament. Well, I mean, that's an interesting uh, pitch. Uh, maybe you'll have to talk about it another time, David. I thought Ian was an optimist. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, out of time. Don't forget to join Nobody tomorrow night for uh, Beard Talk Live, 1030 Eastern. We'll remind you about it on tomorrow's show. It'll be on our Odyssey channel and our other video streaming channels. And in the meantime, you can join Chris on his website, freedomdecrypted.com, for his live show, which is also on Saturdays. We'll see you tomorrow, freetalklive.com. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com.